you know, I say this not as, you know, the former IP attorney, but rather as the, the concerned teacher who has too often heard the tragic tale of the small IP misstep spelling the ruin of, of the young entrepreneur or the young artist. And it's what you just talked about, Salvatrice, uh, for a lot of people, their, their first encounter with intellectual property is unfortunately when they receive, for example, a cease and desist letter. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. If you're not a lawyer, then the subject and details of IP or intellectual property might feel a bit like a mystery or just an acronym that gets thrown around when talking about creative projects or new business or even in the arenas of science or inventions. Well, we have some very special faculty from Santa Monica Community College to not only explain to us what IP is and why it's so important, they come on the podcast to talk with us about the amazing program and curriculum of classes they've created that are demystifying IP, and in doing so are also taking strides in closing the equity gap in entrepreneurship by being the first to offer this at the community college level. Listen in as our host Salvatrice talks with Dana Nasser, Salveus, and Nathan Khalil, who are also the awardees of the Michelson Institute for Intellectual Property Educator for Excellence Award. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Future Work Podcast. I am your host, Salvatrice Kumo, and today is a really special day. I say that because I have three stellar faculty members, Sal Vias, Dana Nasser, and Nathan Khalil from Santa Monica College. They were most recently awarded the Michelson Institute for Intellectual Property Educator for Excellence Award. Uh, specifically highlighting their leadership in championing intellectual property and entrepreneurship education. Good morning, you three. Good morning, Salvatrice. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'll tell you what, I don't know where to begin because I've never done a podcast with three interviewees. And so this is super exciting for me. And, and it's also super exciting to highlight the incredible work that the three of you have done uh, within IP 
and just fostering the entrepreneurship spirit there at Santa Monica College and the ecosystem there and playing such an important role in educating our, our students in this arena. So I think that what might be helpful is perhaps that if we can kind of red robin, I'll start with Dana, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Thank you. And again, I'm honored to be here this morning. Uh, faculty member at SMC, teach business law and classes in the administration of justice. Prior to falling in love with teaching, I practiced law in the civil litigation area. I have been uh, also very heavily involved in curriculum development and with the curriculum committee at SMC. Uh, in fact, I was the curriculum chair during the pandemic. Now that that is over, I'm gearing up to be the incoming business department chair at SMC. Happy to be here. Wow, you're busy. You got a lot on your plate. <laughs> Very much so. Sal, how about you? Wonderful. I am Sal Vias. I've been at Santa Monica College for 29 years. I chair a department, business department, but it also includes administration of justice. And that's part of the, the connection that Dana just mentioned. Um, and also automotive technology and bike maintenance. I got involved with the Michelson Institute through a NACI project that I, I believe we'll be elaborating on a little bit later. Thank you, Sal. And I got to also mention Sal has been incredibly involved in regional projects with our regional consortium of community colleges. And in fact, I think that's where we met to begin with, right, Sal? I think that's where our, our connection happened. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And last but not least, Nathan, share a little bit more about you and uh, your background. Sure. Uh, good morning, Salvatrice, uh, and uh, good to be with you. Thank you for having us. I have been teaching at Santa Monica College for about five or uh, six years. Uh, like Professor Nasser, I teach uh, business law and administration of justice. Before that, I studied engineering in college, uh, went on to law school, and practiced uh, patent law at a law firm on the East Coast uh, before gravity brought me back home and to my new home at Santa Monica College. Great. Well, I'm sure Santa Monica College appreciates you being back and, and appreciates that gravity took its toll and brought you back. So let's get into a little bit about the award. Now, this is, this is an award that is presented in partnership with the National Association for Community College Entrepreneurship. And it really recognizes individuals who've demonstrated outstanding commitment in IP and and really kind of fostering the ecosystem of entrepreneurs. So tell me, what really inspired you to take the role to be leaders in IP and entrepreneurship education? Where did it start? How, what ignited you? Being exposed and introduced to the National Association for Community College Entrepreneurship really was the catalyst. This is a national organization that encourages and fosters entrepreneurship across the entire community college ecosystem throughout the country. You know, kind of the belief that that's where a lot of the action is occurring down in the trenches where, you know, small ideas can turn into these, you know, fantastic future companies or um, well above living wage opportunities. And I was at a conference, a national conference um, that puts on, that's put on by NACI every year. And I came across a breakout session with Michelson, early stages of Michelson IP, basically trying to introduce the concept of IP. And at that point, I had just recently uh, brought on uh, Nathan Khalil as a um, 
faculty member, and Dana had already been at, at our in our department for some time. So there was this kind of confluence of opportunity, both I had the legal people on the academic side, and then this possibility through Michelson. And I jumped at it, and of course came right back to Dana and Nathan and said, you know, what can we do with this? Can we take their content? Can we turn this into something that would allow us to infuse IP and make it available to other community colleges? It, it was Dana and Nathan's expertise and ability to champion this among others that found this to be valuable. Fantastic. I would just like to say that having these open access uh, resources, this fantastic textbook and the high quality videos really also just gave us sort of uh, the ability to offer these resources to faculty and to students. So it was just very exciting to finally have a textbook that would be easy for students to read. And so we could close the gap on IP education and bring it not just into law school, right, where we usually see intellectual property, but actually bring it to undergraduate students. So I think that uh, the materials themselves also provided inspiration. Excellent, excellent. I mean, I would echo those remarks. It was just one of those things that um, a lot of great things sort of came together at just the right time. We had NACI, the, the entrepreneurship entity. We had the Michelson Foundation, the entity providing the, the resources for stu- that we could use for students in the classroom. And then we brought the academic side and the ability to implement those materials. So it was a, it was a great partnership and collaboration for all of us. Excellent, excellent. I can't underscore the importance and the value of IP education. I think that for the majority of, majority of us who tinker with entrepreneurship, IP is usually the last thing on our mind simply because, well, we probably don't know enough about it or, it, or we want to do the fun stuff, <laughs> do the intellectual property stuff, but it's so important. And I think that if I were a student, I would appreciate it so much because I'm now walking into this arena much more informed in a way that's, you know, quite frankly, a little more digestible for myself, you know, because I would imagine that IP and the, and the content around IP is rather overwhelming. I don't know. I'm just making a guess here. Would you say that? Absolutely, uh, Salvatrice. And, and actually, uh, you know, I teach intellectual property for the Entrepreneur Standalone course, and you put it so well, I'd like to have you come uh, and talk to my class on the first day. <laughs> Count me in. Count me in. I am there. <laughs> and, you know, well, since we're on that thread, why is this important? That's, that's a great question. And I guess before I answer that, I'll, I'll sort of help define what IP is for uh, some of our audience members who may not be as familiar. So intellectual property is essentially uh, government-granted exclusive rights in certain expressions and creations from what it sounds like, our intellect. So there are three three main branches of, of IP, intellectual property. We have trademarks, copyrights, and patents. So trademarks cover things like company names, logos, the, the brand in the marketplace, if you will. Uh, we have copyrights that protect uh, creative expression. So things like songs, movies, novels, paintings. Uh, and then we have patents, which protect inventions. So to your question about the importance of, of IP, yes, it's, it's critical, uh, critical to entrepreneurs, to artists, freelancers. And, you know, I say this not as, you know, the former IP attorney, but rather as the, the concerned teacher who has uh, too often heard the tragic tale of the small 
IP misstep spelling the ruin of, of the young entrepreneur or the young artist. And it's what you just talked about, Salvatrice, uh, for a lot of people, uh, their, their first encounter with intellectual property is unfortunately when they receive, for example, a cease and desist letter. That's right. No, so so we know how hard it can be to succeed out there on your own. And as you know, we are in a gig economy where people are sort of just taking on projects as opposed to being full time employed. You know, it used to be that employers took care of this stuff uh, for individuals, and people could just, uh, as you said, have fun and do their thing. But now with people sort of working on their own a little bit more, they need to be uh, sort of a little bit more mindful. And with how hard it can be to succeed, isn't it a shame when the, you know, for example, the budding entrepreneur toils for, for months and for years and, you know, does all the right things, finally earns a taste of success just to have it all snatched away or at least compromised by what was a small and easily avoidable uh, IP misstep and easily avoidable by just a little bit of uh, intellectual property uh, awareness. And that's what we endeavor to do in these courses is, is generate that awareness. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think also, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get so excited, as I mentioned, as we just talked about earlier, we get so excited about developing the product, building the team, raising money, doing the marketing, all that good stuff. But ultimately, I think in the long run, and correct me if I'm wrong, as entrepreneurs, if we are interested in raising capital with investors, IP becomes a hot topic. And understanding the nuances, the language, I don't know, the law, uh, you know, it really helps. Because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're not going to know every single thing. But if we can go into a situation a little bit more educated and have a well-rounded conceptual view of what topic we're discussing or what arena we're in, I think it better positions us for success. Or perhaps maybe one of my biggest mentors used to always tell me, you know, you're going to fail a little bit, but you're going to fail gently. You're going to fail gently, meaning the fall is not going to be that hard only because we just know a little bit more about what we're doing. So thank you for explaining that. Creating curriculum at community colleges can sometimes be an overwhelming process. Were there specific challenges you faced in, in creating this curriculum at SMC? And if so, how did you, how did you overcome them? Because I can 100% confidently say that any challenges that you had is not necessarily unique in the community college system. So those faculty members that are listening in could probably learn from your experience. I'm going to start off by saying um, something about the culture at Santa Monica College. And I know this is probably not unique to us, but it stems from a, a president from a long time ago that instilled in everybody at SMC that if you have a good idea, the worst thing you have to worry about is that the college is going to say, do it. And that's kind of how I have led this department. And anytime opportunities like this come around, we realize the window to deliver on them is very tight. So fortunately, we have a, a, a former curriculum chair, Dana, uh, and I know pe people in the audience may not know kind of like the legal requirements that we have to go through in, in, in our own internal processes. But we have a very streamlined process that allows us to complete all the required curriculum process, both internal and then also with the state chancellor's office, and get the courses on the on the books and then offered. And there was clearly pent up demand for this 
area of IP. Dana and Nathan developed three courses, a standalone IP course, three units, full-blown deep dive of one unit. You might call it like a, a light treatment of IP. And then the three-unit uh, law for the entrepreneur. And something, uh, I'm going slightly off track here, but I, didn't, I wanna underline the, I, the fact that in my career at SMC, on, entrepreneurship from an education standpoint kind of was a backseat. I think the workforce and economic development departments, the small business administration components of, of community colleges, you know, kind of cultivated that arm of entrepreneurship. But today, I think all of us, if you were to ask any faculty member, even outside of the career education areas, there are so many students with aspirations to be entrepreneurs, to start a business, or they're already doing it. There were no hiccups. I mean, probably the only hiccup initially might have been is, you know, is there really a market for this? We kept on saying yes, and then, you know, the rest is history. Um, Nathan, I mean, I know you you offer these courses and teach these courses every single semester, correct? That's right, Sal. I think what it underscores too, if I might, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is it it removes the barriers between the haves and have-nots. When we think about, particularly for me, like, you know, when I think about my educational journey and my entrepreneurial journey, IP education was embedded in universities, It was not embedded. I've never seen it, if I can be honest, at a community college. And so I think it it increases access and it removes barriers for those, you know, starting out in this entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the three of you for this because our students need it. And quite quite honestly, I'd like to take your course in intellectual property. So you might see me as a student in one of your courses. Salvatrice would be happy to have you in one of our uh, courses, although it sounds like uh, you have uh, since picked up quite a bit of uh, knowledge in the arena. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this up. There's a really important equity piece uh, to this IP education. And if, if I may digress just a little bit, I can provide a little bit of context of, of how this all sort of arose. Absolutely. Please do. Thank you. Uh, so these materials, as, as Sal alluded to early on, these instructional materials that we use in the classroom, the textbook, uh, and these uh, videos, these five-minute animated snippets that together sort of paint a picture of the IP legal landscape, were basically donated by the Michelson Foundation. And the these are outstanding open source materials. And just to sort of step back and, and digress a little bit here. Dr. Gary Michelson, I'll tell you his story very briefly because it's sort of relevant uh, to how this came up into the equity piece. Dr. Gary Michelson, really fascinating story. He grew up, you know, his mother was unfortunately afflicted with a um, spinal cord ailment, which inspired him to become a spinal surgeon. Uh, when he became a spinal surgeon, uh, he discovered that the surgical tools that were available to him could be better and produce better outcomes for his patients. So what did he do? Uh, with necessity being the mother of all invention, he began to invent. And uh, over time, over his career, he amassed an unheard of nearly 1,000 patents on, on relevant uh, inventions. In that process, he you know, even got into a, a legal dispute with a major pharmaceutical company out of which they bought all of his patents for over a billion dollars. And he took that and went into philanthropy. Uh, and one of his core missions was to spread 
intellectual property awareness. And this is so because what he discovered is that there is an equity gap in intellectual property law. Uh, first, at the educational level, as we know, for many students, the cost of textbooks are sometimes prohibitive uh, for students to uh, pursue their education. And so he wanted to provide something free uh, that would help close that equity gap. Uh, and then, of course, on the back end, out there in the real world in which this stuff is being applied, he found that underrepresented groups uh, were uh, suffering disproportionately from this lack of IP awareness. And so uh, that was something that was also very important to us and helped us sort of push this through and get this uh, in the classrooms. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that because it's important. It's important to know the historical context of how this all started and the fact that it was birthed in the necessity of of equity. So thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Are there any future plans uh, for this program? Is there something that you're looking forward to? Well, one major component of this IP project was to infuse it and make it available across the country. So I really want to give credit to NACI, the National Association for Community College Entrepreneurship, because Michelson picked a great partner, not only in us, but with NACI. So we created the curriculum and it's been funneled through um, NACI. So there, there was pilot, uh, a pilot project initially that Dana and Nathan led with, I'm going to say about 11 colleges um, that were basically not just handed the curriculum, but were also mentored in delivering it because it's not just lawyers. I mean, I should say I'm right now teaching introduction to business and I include what we call the ultralight treatment of IP, just you know, letting students become aware of it. You know, they're not going into the, the deep dive that the, you know, the standalone IP courses would have. But that has had several iterations over the years. I think our role with IP at the moment with Michelson probably has you know, taken a back, back seat because there's other colleges now that have, have, have stepped up, as it should be. However, I'm going to pass it on to Dana and Nathan so they can give a preview of some of the other curriculum that is in development that was initially sparked by this IP project. And I'm thinking of our entertainment law course. Right. So I can just elaborate a little bit on this. So we do have now in development entertainment law course, which of course uh, introduces components of intellectual property, as well as uh, we're also looking in development at the business of cannabis. And currently, right now, we offer uh, the business of hip hop and the business of film entertainment, which again have the IP components. And so that's one aspect. Also, one idea that we have that we are currently looking forward to is having tracks IP tracks for different industries because, again, and maybe Nathan can speak more to this, is, you know, certain areas have different focuses or different IP protections that are more relevant. So those are some ideas that we have going forward. Thank you, Dana. And, and yeah, indeed, there are different branches of IP are going to sort of permeate different disciplines. So, for example, if you look at the, the fashion space, right, for most fashion designers, Patent law is probably not going to be uh, directly relevant, uh, of course, unless they sort of develop some, you know, manufacturing process uh, that is uh, new and inventive. Typically, we're, what we're going to have in the in the fashion space is trademark law being applied. You know, brand names and sometimes fashion brands trading on the brands of others. So uh, we can sort of tailor the materials and infuse into certain courses and certain disciplines just the relevant aspects of, of IP. You know, the kind of students who, who come to us and take our course 
uh, sometimes they're students who are just sort of exploring academics. Often, they're entrepreneurs. Uh, and, and Dana and Sal can probably talk a little bit more institutionally about this, but the kind of people who sort of come in and take intellectual property for the entrepreneur, many of them are out there, entrepreneurs, some of them being proactive, some of them being reactive to an unfortunate circumstance. You know, we're, we're happy and fortunate that we at the community colleges are in a position to help these entrepreneurs who are out there. It's our responsibility to protect our students. And one way that we can do that is by uh, imparting this, this basic IP knowledge so that, as you talked about earlier, Salvatrice, they're not going to go out there and, and, and be IP lawyers, but now they know when to go to a lawyer. Now they know they can start the conversation with an attorney at point C as opposed to at point A. I love that. Sometimes I think about, you know, the state of our economy and our recovery process. And I think about how traditionally, you know, our community colleges have been the go-to system for that. And simultaneously, I think about, well, entrepreneurship has been the bread and butter of this country, right? As we look towards the future, the future of economic recovery, the future of our jobs, the future of the space of small business and entrepreneurship, what are some things that you think might you predict? Might you be seeing or hearing movement or transformations, either in the way we conduct business as community college educators or how we, how we as educators are in the classroom? What, what might you see might be something that we'll be going towards the future in, in kind of closing this recovery gap that we're in? Well, the pandemic has forced us to reevaluate or to evaluate how we deliver education. If you look at the way potential students consume and buy education, it's not the traditional route. There are, they have so many different opportunities out there that go well beyond traditional pipelines like community colleges and four-year colleges and universities. I mean, we're all familiar with YouTube, for example, many of us go directly to YouTube to address very specific topics. So that's really forced us. And I know Pasadena City College and, and you know, all the community colleges in California, I think, are very, very much aware, with it, uh, aware of this with our strong workforce initiatives and the resources we've been given in career education to reinvent ourselves. But we have to be much more responsive. And I think we really are. If we, I mean, I, as we were talking during this interview, I forgot to mention another key area of our entrepreneurship education that really came out of this project also. We've developed other courses that are not related to law. I mean, Dana gave you some, some general courses, but one that I completely forgot is a, a joint project that we have with Intuit that's called Design for Delight for the Entrepreneur. Um, that was created by two faculty, one in the accounting area, Aaron Steinberger, and one in the entrepreneurship area, Thomas Pacioretty. And that's a similar scenario where our curriculum was shared across the country. The Design for Delight is, you know, kind of based on the, the D-School model at Stanford. Um, this is Intuit's take on it. But it, it's this idea of bringing, you know, kind of lofty, traditionally lofty course curriculum down into the trenches where it's, uh, it's accessible by everybody. And I think you're starting to see more and more of that. And certainly community colleges are responding. We know our students can be on YouTube, you know, can go to Udacity, can go to Udemy. There are just so many um, places now 
where people consume education. So that's absolutely made us more responsive. I mean, there's a saying I think we've all are familiar with, you know, change before you have to. I think community colleges in California are absolutely on that train today. We're changing before we have to. Very well said. Well said. This has been a delightful conversation. I want to thank the three of you for spending your morning with me, making those moves in our space that we have control over to propel our students forward and propel our community forward is really important. I'd like to ask a closing, you know, before we go, I'd like to ask a simple question. And I think I get, I get really excited about this, this closing question only because I learned just a little bit more about you. Any words of wisdom for our educators who are listening and our students? Thank you, Salvatrice. Here's something I love for, for students to ta- take away from this, any students who are listening, is, you know, being an entrepreneur and getting out there, it can be scary. But for this piece uh, about IP, don't be scared. You know, getting a little bit of education here and awareness actually will give you a little bit of an advantage uh, and make it all a little bit more uh, uh, comfortable. We don't want you to be lawyers. We don't want you to be uh, out there and mired in litigation. And one easy way to be proactive about that is to just get a little bit of education so you can focus on what it is uh, that you want to do, which is, you know, drive your business uh, forward or, um, you know, produce your art. So take this as a plus uh, and uh, as a positive as you pursue what it is you love to do. Excellent. Anyone else want to share words of wisdom? I just think as educators, just to stay open and continue to evaluate and explore our curriculum and uh, making sure we're preparing students for the uh, future and how work is changing so much and to constantly and to being open to, uh, to continuing to innovate. And I think for students, always being curious and, and learning as much as you can and I, I, I think uh, the change is, is, is ongoing. So always being curious and uh, keeping a pulse on the marketplace. Thank you, Dana. If I could, and on the heels of that, if I can add to the educators out there, something that we may not have mentioned, or I guess Sal alluded to, you don't have to be a lawyer uh, to teach this stuff. You know, to teach a standalone IP course, sure, you, you need to be an, uh, a lawyer who knows about IP. But if you're teaching some other class, some business course, some entrepreneurship course, a fashion course, and you want to just sort of relay uh, some of this stuff, you know, the Michelson materials are open source, they're free, they're videos. Uh, so you don't need to be well-versed in the law. You don't need to be a lawyer to at least start the conversation with your students. You can load up a couple of these videos and press play, and you've what you've done then is you've planted a seed in these students' minds that they can later pursue a little bit more deeply. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm going to take a little different take on this, and since I'm not a, a, an attorney. On my LinkedIn page, I have a, a statement that I really believe embodies what I do as a community college educator. You know, I'm in the business of helping people achieve their dreams. And what I try to instill with my students and my colleagues is that is the mindset and the lens we have to use when we take on these endeavors. And then on top of that, I'm paraphrasing a talk radio uh, personality that often tells their listeners, what do you want to do between now and death? Because this is your life. And in a less dramatic way, 
It is these types of projects, and in this particular case, revolving around entrepreneurship, that really can be the catalyst for a student pursuing something that they didn't believe was something in their realm. And that, to me, is probably the most rewarding component of what we do as educators. So slightly different take, Salvatrice, but it's you know, kind of the mindset that drives me every day in this fantastic career in community college education. Excellent. Well said. Well said, the three of you. Thank you so much again for your time. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing what the three of you come up with uh, in the future. I can't wait to learn more. Should you want to come back, you always have a home here at the Future of Work podcast. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.